I'm just glad you're here because uh, I really believe this series that we're doing uh, is just, it's, we're calling this Rethinking Church. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can just kind of, church can kind of become routine. I know that's never happened to you, uh, and it certainly never happened to me because I'm the pastor and I'm, you know, I'm on a, another level of holiness of some sort, and so it never becomes routine to me. That's a joke, by the way. But it can become routine. And you just kind of, like, life can become routine, right? Your family can become routine. Work can become routine. And, and, and your relationship with Jesus can become no different. So sometimes you, gotta, you just got to shake off the cobwebs and you got to kind of refocus and, and rethink. And so that's what we're doing for the next few weeks. We are rethinking what it means to be called the church and, and why we gather in this place, why you're here. Turn to somebody and tell them, why are you here? Why are you here? Okay, so uh, it's a great way to welcome somebody who's brand new. <laughs> if you have a Bible on that note, let's go to Acts 5. Acts 5. I, I think in order to um, get a, a reboot and a, and a refocus, you got to go back to the church in its purest form. And in its purest form is even way before the letters that we read about in the New Testament. You got to go all the way back to the very, very beginning in the first couple of decades of the church and kind of see what they were doing. And so in Acts chapter 5, we see this. If you don't have a Bible, uh, download version, a great app. It'll help you a lot. And Acts, if you're new to the scriptures, it was written by this guy named Luke. He was not one of the disciples, but he was a follower of Jesus. And so he talked to the disciples and talked to eyewitness accounts and he wrote the, the Gospel of Luke, but he also wrote this. And this, the book of Acts, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you, a, a great book to read if you, maybe you have some misgivings about the church, or maybe there's some things you're like, what, what is going, what is the church, and all these different things that are said, go read the book of Acts, and you'll see how the church was birthed, and, and what the church was like. And so Luke wrote all these beautiful accounts for us, and, and captured them all for us. And Acts chapter 5, the church is, um, Jesus has um, ascended to heaven, and the, last week we talked about in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit fell. You can read about that if you've never heard that story before, but the Spirit of God fell, and it was, the Spirit was no longer in the temple, but this, we became the temple, and the Spirit of God indwelled believers. That's when uh, the Spirit of God began to come into people and be a part of our lives in that way, not just around us, but in us and working through us. Now you fast forward a little bit, and in chapter 5, it says this in verse 12, start at verse 12, the apostles, that's the disciples, Peter, James, John, and uh, all the other guys nobody ever talks about, like Bartholomew and Thaddeus, they seriously have no rep, I feel sorry for those guys, nothing out there for those guys, but all of them were performing miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. So they were having church like this on a regular basis. But no one else that was not a Christian, no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet, more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. And as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. The crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. 
Today I want to talk to you about rethinking, sitting, and soaking. I want to talk about rethinking, sitting, and soaking. Let's pray. God, in this moment, we ask that your spirit would help us through the power of your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, you may sit and you may soak. All right. So Acts 5, 12, it says, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and say this with me, what? All the believers were meeting together. Okay, so let's say this together again. All the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. Now, Solomon's Colonnade was the very first church coffee shop. It was a pretty sweet deal. They made frappuccinos and... No, no, they didn't. But that would be a great name for a coffee shop, would it not? Solomon's Colonnade, I would go there. I would get the pour over is what I would get. But that's why we have coffee today. (laughs) You ever wonder, how did we get church coffee? Right there in the early church, it was birthed at Solomon's Colonnade. I'm totally making that up. That is not true. So if you're wondering, wow, I've never read scripture like that before. It's okay. Coffee came much later. But here's the thing, so they're they're gathering, and we talked about this last week. I want to recap a little bit of last week. For those of you who are here, maybe you were not able to be here, but kind of get us all on the same page, is last week we talked about the importance of the weekly gathering, the importance of us being together on Sundays in God's house. And we know and we learned this from the early church because they were gathering regularly. And we talked about this last week is is that... um, Today, regular church attendance, by most statistics and things, say that those who are devoted followers of Jesus, they will come on Sunday about every other week or once a month. And that's not my stat, that is uh, research that's been done, but people say, I'm a devoted follower of Jesus, regular church attendance is every other week or once a month. That wasn't the case 2,000 years ago, as we talked about this last week. 2,000 years ago, they went to church, regular meant every day. Like, can you imagine? They went to church every day they gathered. Not just every day, but we talked about three times a day. So these people were hardcore. Now, some of that had to do with their Jewish tradition. Some of that had to do with the fact that they were in close proximity to one another. Um, But it mainly had to do with the fact that they were passionate about Jesus and they were fully devoted to one another. And last week we talked about this idea, what, what I prize, I prioritize. What I prize, I prioritize. Like right now, you have decided this is your prize today, and you have said, I'm going to prioritize the house of God. Give somebody a high five around you and say, way to go, way to go, making the house of God your prize. What I prize, I prioritize. You could have done 100 things today. You, you've got leaves that need to be raked. You've got a house that needs to be cleaned. You've got more ribbon you need to buy for the women's event for Hobby Lobby, but you can't go because they're closed on Sunday, and so you can't go. But th- you, you've got, act- you got activities. You've got things you got. Your kids just got to be, but you said time out. Time out. My prize My prize is the house of God, and my prize is the people of God. And this is what the earlier church did. So the early church, they prized the gathering. They couldn't wait to be together. And and we, we talked about last week this idea that we gather as the people of God to experience the presence and power of God. You know, why am I in church? I'm here to experience the presence of God because the Holy Spirit is in you. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, we talked about that last week, that means you bring the presence of God into this place, which means you are needed in this place. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you're needed here. You are needed here. 
like the Spirit of God, you are a powerful weapon in the hands of God. Right now in this moment, you bring the presence of God into his house, and that means the power of God ain't just working from this platform, it's working mainly in the seats right now. That's some good news right there. So the early church, they saw this, and we see it right here, that man, they experienced miraculous signs and wonders. Like few things can compare to when we come and we sit and, and we soak in the presence of God. It's kind of, kind of like the sponge, like when we just gather in the house and we, man, we just kind of sit and we just kind of soak up a little Jesus. I mean, it feels good. And it's a good thing to come into the house of God and experience his presence and his power around you, in you, and through you. You are doing a good thing today. Has anybody ever just left a sponge to soak? It's not good, is it? You're not supposed to leave a sponge soaking. Uh, in fact, Laura, she hates sponges. She don't want sponges in her house because she's like, it's like a little germ village. It's like they, they get there, they populate, they reproduce, and, and it's just disturbing and disgusting. She hates them. I love sponges. Anybody love sponges? Sponge people. Ah, I love them. Put a little soap on them, scrub them up, get on those dishes. I love the sponge that has the abrasive side. You know what I'm talking about? Because you, you can get the business on that dish. You can just be raking it, and you just toss it to the side. It might have some food, and it'll dry out. It'll be fine. But what I love about it is you get a sponge, and if it's got the abrasive side on it, when you're done, you can exfoliate. You can just kind of, ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I mean, oh, hey, look, some milk left over from cereal. Yeah. Mm. By the way, that's how they're doing the spa night uh, for the women on Thursday. So, But you're looking forward to that now, aren't you? No, we, we are not meant to just sit and, and soak, it's, it's, not, it's not healthy to just sit and, and soak because as followers of Jesus, when we just sit and soak and that's all we do is our soul can, and our spirit can slowly start to corrupt. And, and, it, and it can slowly, without us even being aware of it, slowly and subtly, everything starts to become about me. Uh, I, I come into a worship experience and, and, and I make judgments on, on the songs and I don't know, that really didn't hit me right or, you know, and I hear the message and I'm like, yeah, Brad just wasn't as funny today or, gosh, does he have to be too funny or, man, I could have used a little more scripture. It wasn't deep enough for me. Like, if you ever find yourself saying it's not deep enough, you're in trouble. That's a real good sign that you're spending way too much time just sitting and soaking and what happens is when all you do is come and you just sit and and you soak it becomes about you and instead of you coming and instead of your life being focused around worshiping Jesus suddenly Jesus is focused and and he's there to worship me we would never say that but I've got my needs I've got things I've got to do Jesus and so he's got to operate and work around my calendar and my priorities instead of the way it should be, and that is where my life revolves around him and his priorities. Because what I prize, I will prioritize. 
And so Jesus, we talked about this last week, Acts 1.8, Jesus said that you are to be my witnesses. He said, you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, but when you receive the Spirit, it's so that you can be my witnesses. In other words, we're filled with the power and the presence of God to be poured out into the world, to pour out his, his grace upon the world that needs it, to pour out mercy upon the world, to be a witness in a way that people, when they see your life, they're going... That's, how is that happening through your life? Where you make decisions based in work, at work that are ethical and full of integrity when you could cut a corner and somebody sees you doing it and you don't cut the corner and it costs you. And somebody sees that and that's a witness of the power of God. When you forgive someone who has harmed you or hurt you or, or been uh, deceitful to you or betrayed you and you somehow find a way to give grace and mercy to those people, guess what? That's the power of God. You are a witness of the power of God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is what I want to hit on for a few minutes today. Sitting and soaking, sitting and soaking leads to settling and sulking. Sitting and soaking leads to settling and then sulking. And the early church was not exempt from this. The early church faced the temptation to sit and to soak. The scripture tells us they were meeting at, at Solomon's Colonnade. And, and, and if you don't know what Solomon's Colonnade is, it's Solomon's Colonnade. Basically, this was like the temple. So they're at the temple, and there was this area, and it was a covered porch, and it was huge, and the early church could meet in this area, and this is where they would have their church services next to the temple. And, but right next to where they were meeting at Solomon's Colonnade was called the, the Gentile Court. And the Gentile court is, if you're new to scriptures or new to the church, you're like, uh, who are the Gentiles? Are they like the Philistines? Are they the Moabites? Who are they? I, I don't know who they are. The, you and I are Gentiles. Anyone that was not a Jew was a Gentile. And so the Gentiles, they, in this era, in this time, and even in the church, they were considered unclean. And so they could not even go into work, worship with the Jewish people. They could not come. And the early Christians were like, well, they can't come and they can't worship with us. And so the Gentiles, the whole time, they're being excluded while the presence and the power of God is being manifest in these moments. Like we can show up on Sunday... Be in the presence of God, sing some amazing songs, watch the Spirit of God move. He touches your spirit, speaks to you. You receive healing. Maybe the chains of abuse fall off of you, or maybe the chains of regret fall off of you. Suddenly you are set free by the power of God. And meanwhile, right outside our doors are people who are empty. And they don't have it. They don't have the power of God. They don't have the presence of God. They, they, they've not experienced the healing that you've experienced. They've, they've not experienced the grace and the mercy and the peace and the kindness and the love of God soaking and immersing them. And, and, and it's so easy for us to forget. To be honest, it's just easy just to forget that there are people that don't know Jesus. Or worse yet, we don't forget. We just exclude. Well, they're not. I mean, you know, hey, I'm willing to, you know, I'll pour a, pour a little Jesus here and here and not, not with those people, no. But you can have a little Jesus and 
and uh, you, don't, you don't believe like I believe, but you, you, you look like me, and you kind of talk like me. I'll give you a little Jesus. And, and suddenly we have this Jesus that is not inclusive but is exclusive. And core church is not a place that is exclusive. It is inclusive. Every person is welcome. The gospel is for everyone or it is for no one. And we see this in, in the early church is that Jesus said in, in John, but way before the church was birthed, Jesus said this in John 17, 18. He's praying to the Father and he says this, hey, just as you sent me into the I am sending them into the So Jesus is like, no, 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 no. This is not what I meant. I, I meant, when I said the world, I, I meant the entire world. And by the way, that's exactly what Jesus did. If you fast forward to Acts 9, you'll see this guy named uh, Saul, and he's going out, and he's persecuting the church. He's a Jewish religious leader, and he has this miraculous conversion. And, and then he's thinking, oh yeah, I'm a Jew, so I'll go to the Jews. And Jesus is like, no, you're going to be my witness to the Gentiles. And he's like, what? And then you go to chapter 10, and Peter, he's like, he gets a knock on the door, and it's this guy who says, yeah, so Cornelius, he's a Roman officer, Gentile. He wants to meet with you, and Peter's like, what? And so Peter goes and meets with this guy, shares the gospel with him. The Spirit of God falls on the Gentiles, the Romans, the, the people that are non-Jews, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, Peter's like, well, I guess, uh, I guess this is for everybody. I didn't realize that. But this isn't Acts 9, this isn't Acts 10, this is Acts, this is Acts 5. And in Acts 5, the church, I, I cut them a little slack, they're brand new. Brand new believers, they're just trying to figure it out. And God, are you thankful for a patient and loving God? Come on, somebody. Are you thankful? Can I get an amen? You're thankful for a, a patient and loving God? Like, man, think about your early years of following Jesus. Maybe some of you are brand new in your faith, and you're just totally jacking everything up. I am so glad you're here. I love new believers because they, they're just loving Jesus. They're like, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I just love Jesus. And then you go, well, you know, probably ought to move in this direction. Cool. I'll move in that direction. You get a little Jesus in you for a long time, you get a little more stubborn. You get more like a... I'll call it a mule. Uh, and you're like, you get set in your ways and like, no, this is the way it is. It's the way it's always going to be. I love new believers because you're learning and, and, and you're growing. In verse 13, it says, but no one, this is the, but no one else dared to join them, even though the people had high regard for them. What's happening here? These, the, the people, not the Gentiles, but at this point, at this point, it's just the, the Jewish people, and, and, and they're going, I ain't going in there because I'm a Jew, and if I become a Christian, then I'm going to, I'm going to lose my family. My family's probably going to disown me. I'll probably lose my job, which is why they were so tight and they were so close together. I mean, I'm probably going to be um, just, it's, life is not going to go well for me. In fact, they, they knew that persecution would come. If you read down in, in chapter 5, you see that Peter and John, they they got arrested, and so they, they're like, I'm out. I'm not doing that. But verse 14 says what? What's that first word in verse 14? Yet. Yet, more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Wait a second. So, so they, they're not coming in. What, what's going on here? Listen, it wasn't Peter's preaching. It wasn't 
John's amazing Hillsong United worship set. It wasn't Mary's kids' ministry that was bringing them in. No, it was the people. It was the people, and they began to venture outside of the colonnade, and, and they went first, first to the Jews, and, and then eventually they started going out to the Gentile people. I, I don't think things are much different than they were back then. We see this kind of same picture in our, in our culture today, don't we? I mean, in our nation, in some parts of our nation, people are antagonistic towards the gospel, but, really, but not in Oklahoma. I mean, it's rare in Oklahoma. I mean, we live in Jesus Disneyland. So, I mean, it's like people are not antagonistic towards the gospel. In fact, I would say this, that they're like these people were in the early churches. They were the kind of people that they had high regard for the church. I think people today in Oklahoma and here in our area and people you work with and you go to school with, they have a high regard for the, for, for the church. But, but here's the thing, people, people are no longer looking to the church for answers. They, they look at the church and they're like, it's kind of irrelevant to my life. It's kind of like, it's like, it kind of got archaic beliefs. It's like Blockbuster. Anybody remember Blockbuster? Man, whoop, whoop, the 90s, come on, bring it on back. Be kind, rewind. Anybody remember hovering around the Dropbox, waiting? Is Ghost, do you have Ghost? Do you have Ghost? Do you have Ghost? I got RoboCop 3. I got it. It's good. It's good. It work. RoboCop 3 tonight it is. That's all there is. I just remember that. You had a membership card and... I mean, it was just like you had to get in your car and drive. Well, Blockbuster never kept up, did they? They never changed with any of the times, and because of that, now they're all closed or they're CBD shops. I mean, they're just one <laughs> or the other. <laughs> and the, the, the church, people are looking at the church. What do you got for me? Like, nobody who's waking up and who's hurting and who's empty and who's broken. People are not waking up, and we've got to wake up to the fact that people are not waking up and saying, I ought to go to church. You know who thinks they ought to go to church? Churched people. We're the ones who wake up and say, I ought to go to church, but, but it's not that way anymore. I mean, times have changed so dramatically. There's, people have no reference point anymore. This is what we have to wake up to is that people used to be able to say, oh, yeah, I remember I went to, I went to uh, church when I was a little kid. Or, or they remember that their parents went, went to church. Or they remember their, their, their grandparents went to church. But now we are two to three generations removed right here in Jesus Disneyland of people who have no reference point to who Jesus is. And the early church knew this. They're like, man, they're not going to come to us. We got to go to them. And we've got to kind of have that approach as the church. We've got to say, man, if they won't come to us, we've got to go to them. Come on, turn to somebody and say, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Not right now. Later. Later. Not now. Later. We're not going to win the world through our amazing worship set. We're not going to win people to Christ by our incredible kids' ministry. We're not going to win people to Jesus by our fabulous, incredible, gifted, talented, amazing <laughs> pastor. <laughs> I thought I'd 
get an amen, not a laugh, but that's okay. <laughs> we got to be like the early church. We got to get back to what Jesus said. He said, I'm sending them into the world. We've got to get back to that. And it says this in verse 15, as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were, were brought into the streets on beds and mats. Check this out. So that Peter's shadow, Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by, and they were all healed. Can you imagine what that must have been like for Peter. Like he just gets up in the morning, he's walking along, and all of a sudden somebody's like, whoa, I can see! And you're like, what? Your shadow, what? My shadow? And then he's like, wait, and then boom, suddenly ears are open, somebody can hear. He's just walking, minding his own business, and boom, his shadow hits somebody, and they can see, boom, leprosy is cured. Boom, somebody gets up and they walk. He's gotta be like, oh my goodness, what's happening? He's just like, boom, a little shadow for you. Boom, a little shadow for you. Boom, a little shadow for you. I don't know if he did that, but I would. I'd be mad, I'd be crazy. <laughs> what kind of shadow are you casting? Is it... Is it, a, is it a shadow of, of healing like Peter? Because a, a sponge can only pour out what it has soaked up. And, and, it, and if you've not soaked up the presence and the power of God, you're nothing but a dry sponge. Man, if you're, not, if you're not soaking up the word of God every day, you got to watch the words that are coming out of your mouth because you're dry. Man, if you're, man, if you're, not, if you're not praying, if you're not a, a man or a woman of prayer, and it's not an active, like for Peter, man, it was three times a day. If you're not praying all the time, you are drying out. Man, if you're not in the house, as often as you can get in the house, your spirit is drying out. And you have nothing to give. And when you have nothing to give, you'll start taking. Because you may say, man, what, I mean, I, I'm busy. I'm, I, my life's crazy. I've got, my, my kids have all these activities, and, and I've got stuff, and I've got errands and things, and I've been, I, I just can't always get to the Word of God. I can't always read, and, and I try, but I, I just, my life's crazy, and you're, you, you, you're dry. I don't always have time, to, I just pray on the fly, and, and I try to get to the house when I can get to the, the house, but I can't always, I have stuff, and if I don't have stuff, I'm exhausted, and I'm tired, and so I've sometimes just got to stay home and rest, and you think you're resting, but you're not resting, you are drying out. And your spirit is just getting drier and drier. And, and what happens is you end up becoming a trick-or-treater. I went uh, trick-or-treating uh, with the staff and some friends came over and, and uh, we all went trick-or-treating. Uh, not, not us, their kids. Uh, and we went trick-or-treating after they went to bed. We went, ooh, Reese's. Somebody won't miss that. <laughs> but I think you can become a trick-or-treater. You can put on a mask you don't even know you have on a mask. That's the weird part about it. 
You think that you're normal, but you're not acting normal, but something in you is like, something's off in me. I don't know what is off in me, but something is off in me, and it's because you're dry. You're dry. And then what happens is you get around people, and instead of giving to them, you're like, ooh, my family. I'll just take a little bit from my family, and I'll take a little bit from my friends, because I'm dry. And you just start taking and taking and taking and taking from every person until they're empty, and now you and they are both empty. And instead of being a person that gives, you are a person who takes and you don't even know you're doing it. That's the scary part about it. You don't even know that you're taking, not Peter. Peter is like, "Uh uh-uh, man, I am going to be immersed in God. I'm going to be in, man, Peter wasn't just, Peter didn't just read the word, man, he walked with the word. Like, he walked with the word. Man, Peter wasn't just a man of prayer. He didn't pray just three times a day. You can look in the scriptures and you can see, holy smokes, he didn't just go to the temple and pray. This guy was praying all the time. This guy, he went to the house all the time. He said, I have got to soak myself up with the presence and the power of God. And that's why his shadow was able to bring healing. I like what Psalm 91.1 says. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High, those who soak in his presence, will what? Say this with me. They will what? Find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I want to invite our worship team to come. And when, you, when you soak in, in, the, in the presence of God, you are filled with the power of God, and then you can go out and you can begin to pour out grace and mercy and love and kindness, and then you come back, because I got drained out, man. I poured out all I could this week to every person around me. My, I poured out to my family, and I poured out to my, my friends and my neighbors, and, and I, man, I'm, I was exhausted, and I got, I, I got to get back into the word. I got to get back into prayer. I got to get back into the house so that I can pour out everything of Christ onto those around me, because I want to give and not take from those around me. Man, God wants you to give off a shadow of healing. What what kind of shadow are you casting? God says, I want you to be a shadow of healing to those around you. One of our core practices, and you were in your core groups, I think this past week, you, you heard about the core practice, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago, you heard about our core practice of sharing Christ. Three things. What does it mean to share Christ? What does it look like to be a shadow of healing to our our world? Three words. Intercede, invest, inform. I'd encourage you to write those words down if you don't already have them memorized. Intercede, invest, inform. We're going to talk about inform next week. But intercede, man, start praying. God, I want to be a shadow of healing. I don't want to take from nobody anymore. I want to be that shadow of healing. And then look for opportunities for your shadow to cast healing. Invest in people's lives. Look for opportunities to do good. Just look for opportunities where you can 
pour out kindness, where you can pour out love, where you can just be nice to someone. Sometimes we think this, we think, well, all I did was smile at the cashier and say, hey, how are you doing today? You look like you're having a rough day. Oh man, my day has been, oh, it's been so hard. Well, hang in there. You're like, yeah, but I didn't drop the Jesus bomb on him, Brad. So how is that sharing Christ? You never know what God is doing. You never know if that cashier is standing there and feels lost and alone and is like, if you're there, God, you got to show me you're there because I don't see you nowhere. And boom, you're the next person in line and you cast a shadow of healing on somebody. You're on your campus. You see somebody in a classroom sitting by themselves and you go, oh, I'm just going to go over there. I feel like I should go sit by them and just strike up a conversation. That person is empty and broken on the inside and you begin to have a conversation with them to encourage them, to help them, maybe even share your own story and boom, you cast a shadow of healing on someone. You go to your neighbors or your your co-workers and you just say, God, however, whenever, whatever, I just want to be a shadow of healing. Sharing Christ is not as hard as we have made it out to be. Because you don't create the shadow and I don't create the shadow. You can't create a shadow. Shadows are created by light. That's the only way there can be a shadow is if there is some light. There has to be a light force. And guess what? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So what does that mean? His light shining in me and through me and all I have to do is be in position and willing and able to be a shadow of healing. 